Welcome back to another uh, episode, another podcast, another stream, another day, another session, another uh, shindig, a chinwag from myself. Just trying to think of all kinds of different expressions there. It's the Jesse Dawson podcast. That's where we're at. And we're back with another episode. Now, this one's a little different. Um, I've had a, uh, a bunch of questions sent in from um, someone that I know, another fellow coach. Um, and it's interesting when I get questions from other coaches as well. Um, it's good feedback, for one. But also because um, sometimes we don't know everything. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and for those of you that know, want to check out how I'm recording these things, here's my microphone. It's usually like just here out of frame or like just here out of frame or something like that or just here out of frame or it's never down here. <laughs> I was just looking at my monitor to make sure my hands were going out of frame. Um, yeah, so it's good feedback. And, and sometimes you don't know everything and that's fine. That's fine. Like... Sometimes you don't know everything. Do you know everything? I don't know everything. I go to coaches. You should go to coaches. <laughs> you should get other other types of therapy and sessions just every now and then or, or on, a, on an ongoing basis because uh, it's good for you. That's it. I'm not going to try and sell you anymore. It's good for you, so do it. And sometimes we don't know things and we need to get clarity around stuff. So I've had a chat with this, this coach in particular. They know who they are. And... Uh, it's around addictions, around addictions. Now, I've done some work with addictions, and for those that don't know, in haven't followed my feeds or just haven't happened to see the posts that uh, have come from me. So I used to be an addict. I was absolutely drug, I was a drug fiend. I was uh, what I, I would call, I pre- named my previous self, I would call myself a junkie. Um, I was that level, I, I, I was just withering well, almost died had some real internal problems and was probably very close to not having this conversation with you right now. So I've done a lot of work on that and I've learned a lot and been through those times and there's some things I didn't do and there's some things I did do. Um, And there's some things I wish I didn't do and there's some things I'm not even that upset about. (laughs) There's always elements of things that are positive and negative. You've got to take both sides. So got talking with this coach at some point and they asked me if it was all right to send them a couple of questions because they've got a relative or they know someone and I'm sure you know someone or have a relative or a friend or it's you that is struggling with addiction and these questions can sometimes give clarity to the person that doesn't know much about it so that's what we're here for we're here to do that we're here to address some things around specifically around drug addiction um not any sort of substance in particular uh, just the the reasons there, some of the the things about using and uh, yeah how that goes. So let's uh, find out, eh? So our first question is here we go. So is there a point that taking drugs happens as a conscious decision, or is taking drugs like falling into uh, into it socially uh, as an experiment and then it becomes an addiction? So. Let's, let's unpack this one. The answer, short answer, both. It's both. Long answer. <laughs> uh, so the, let's address the first one. So um, 
Actually, no, we're going to go the other way around. We're going to do the first part second and the social one first. So by absolute certainty, you can fall into addiction through social experimentation and becoming dependent on it. And the reason that's the case, it's the exact same reason as the conscious ones, so they actually link together, it's the same reason, is that the reason you're even experimenting with drugs is because there's a problem. So before the drugs are even there, there's already a problem. Um, drugs are a symptom. So drug addiction and substance addiction and all addictions are there because of a uh, existing problem, often related to trauma. Sometimes rare occasions is not. It can be other things, but... They're then usually related to trauma, and it's trying to heal or run away or change reality, change your perception so that life is bearable or to just completely escape. Or you know, There's multiple sort of reasons there, but they all kind of stem from the same place. So for me, it was absolutely running away. I was running away from my entire existence. For this question, let's start with the social experiment. Sometimes people have an addictive personality and they're just curious some people are just curious and they're not necessarily looking to follow that addiction all the way through. And some people don't. They try once and they're like, nah, and they're out because it wasn't the thing that they needed to fix their wound. Because <laughs> essentially the drug addiction, as I said, is like a Band-Aid on a broken arm or a, or a chopped off arm for that matter. It's blood, you know, blood's going everywhere and you just start sticking Band-Aids on it or even just holding the tissue, <laughs> not even a Band-Aid. Um, and it's a symptom of other stuff. So there's much bigger underlying causes for a reason for those those addictions and, and for that curiosity. So people are going to come in, they're going to try some things and, and naivety plays a lot of it too is that sometimes you walk into a substance that's a lot harder to, to, to deal with than some of the other substances. <sighs> Had a burp, sorry. That happens a lot on this podcast, I don't know why. And uh, then that like really heavy level addiction and that substance that's highly addictive gets a hold of somebody and then it's game over. So that does happen. Definitely happens with things like uh, methamphetamine or many of the various other names it's called, meth, chard, gold, whatever you want to call it, glass. Fucking, there's so many names, so many names. And um, that one is, you know, more one of the more addictive ones and someone who's looking to escape their reality can do so with something that makes them feel really good and then it deteriorates into addiction and then it does become very conscious. Now, some people are genuinely looking for a way out and they don't know what to do and then they find this thing like alcohol and it's a tough day at work and they come home and they have a beer and they relax. That to me, to, to me, to me, <laughs> to me is a conscious decision uh, to use a drug. There's a conscious choice to say, that is the thing that's going to relieve my stress. Smoking, same thing. There's no difference between drug abuse, alcohol abuse, gambling, sex, smoking, all of them are the same. Everything is the same. Someone comes in, they're like, oh, I'm feeling a bit stressed, go have a smoke. Or I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to have a drink. Or I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to shoot some uh, some heroin. Um, I'm going to fucking uh, go and get myself an eight ball. And uh, yeah. That's the end of it. So it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, it could be like, I'm just going to have a joint and I'm going to relax. Have a couple of cones. Have a pipe. Do a couple of lines. All the nicknames you want. Insert a nickname, a, a phrase that you prefer to use right here. And they 
will use that as the justification to use the drugs because there's actually something that's way bigger and more of an underlying problem. So, so yes. So there we go. That's that's the answer to the question. So yes, it is both. When you often when you're younger and you're being social and experimenting, that can become a dependency because you start using and then it feels good and you do it again and then you make some, you meet up all, all together because you generally you're all trauma bonding. Just for the record, it's all the same sort of traumas that are coming in and you're trying to escape and you're trauma bonding with uh, those people and then it becomes dependence and then you end up codependent to a substance. So there's that, and then yeah, and then there is the conscious choice, and eventually that social then becomes a conscious choice as well, or it's just straight up the conscious choice to get into it, and then it can get out of hand. So there's that's 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 my answer for the first one. Lock it in, Eddie. Second question: During the process of being high, how aware of the outside world is a person? Depends on the substance. So things like Panadol, <laughs> which is a drug. You're generally pretty aware. Um, Depending on how much weed you've smoked, marijuana, how many joints you've had. Sometimes you can be a lot less aware of your surroundings than than a smaller amount, but you're still pretty aware of your surroundings, or you can be. Same with things like MDMA and and speed, like amphetamines, amphetamine-based substances. Um, You can be very alert. That often increases your alertness, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're aware of your surroundings because you can be very not aware of your surroundings as well. Um, and same with like cocaine and, and, and those like dopamine inhibitors um, or you know, dopamine enhancers. Uh, what else is there that I'm thinking of? Things like hallucinogenic, hallucinogenics, mushrooms, LSD, DMT, ayahuasca, toad, all those things. Psychoactive. I mean, technically they're all psychoactive, all the drugs, but the hallucinogenic psychoactives. They often are the ones that you like. You can lose your complete reality. You don't even know what's going on. You have no idea. You can see stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're here on the planet. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have conscious awareness of things. Um, you can very much get hurt and do stupid stuff when you're misinterpreting the world on those types of um, substances. And again, I'm going to the extremes here. Like sometimes, it, it's not often. It's not often because a lot of times people are that are even are using are generally responsible and, and can do things in places that are okay. But then there's a load that aren't as well. So it's, it's both times, both sides. So I've, I know plenty of people that are experimental with substance and they are still very much functional beings. Um, there's obviously underlying things coming there, but we'll leave that as is. And then you get into things like heroin, uh, where, you know, You'll be lucky. You'll be lucky if you're... I mean, you can operate if you build a tolerance to it. Uh, and if you're not, maybe not injecting if you're maybe. It just really depends on the stuff and who you and there's so many variables. But generally speaking, you're unconscious. You know, you're in another world. Ketamine, you're in another world. Um, downers. Downers and there's uppers and downers and, and downers can generally disorientate your reality. Even alcohol. Like alcohol is a great one. That's a downer. It's not heroin, but it's definitely a downer where it's... Uh, suppresses your cognitive ability and eventually you'll black out eventually after you've consumed too much you'll black out um marijuana's a little different like you'll get tired (laughs) and go to sleep but um yeah again like it's it's there you can be cognitive and cognizant and aware of your surroundings to a point 
And then you can always go too far and not be aware of your surroundings in many different ways, in reaction times and in um, like actual visibility of the, of, the, of the world, whether you're off in a whole other world or, or your interpretation of your surroundings. So again, hallucinogens can really like change your understanding of the world and you can then no longer understand where you are and what's going on. That's very easy to happen. Um, and other times you can do the complete opposite you can be very aware of where you are so yeah strange uh, but I would dare say as a general rule of thumb you may think you're aware but you really are not that much aware of your surroundings because other things are going on so next one trust this is helping what happens when you're high and then you calm down okay so very straightforward process this one on, on paper on paper very straightforward so usually this happens with i mean it happens with downers and uppers it's both um the calm down is generally when your body is is you're returning back to baseline so there's a difference between a calm down and, and withdrawals different um they're very yeah very different so a calm down generally is associated with uppers generally but it is for all substance uh, you take a substance that then hooks into one of your inhibitors and your receptors. So your serotonin receptors, your dopamine receptors and other areas, same with like hallucinogenics and things like that, they'll all hook into places that are already inbuilt into your brain. And they'll either boost things that are to an incredible level that's actually damaging to your brain um, or they will uh, uh, stop certain things being made so that more, more of the chemical can be received. And that creates another response. Like, there's like loads of different things. So there's boosters, there's blockers, and there's enhancers, and there's other things that bring down barriers and all sorts of stuff, right? Not the point. Uh, they will bring up to an elated state of high, whatever a high is, or the downers will bring you into that sedated high, which is still high. Um, it doesn't matter if they're up or down. Whether it's not a low, you don't go to a low. Um, so yeah, and that, and like heroin and cocaine will hook into the dopamine and then serotonin being MDMA, amphetamines, meth, that kind of thing will hook into serotonin receptors and boost them, blow them up and um, you feel like crazy states of euphoria and some of the best feelings you'll ever feel in your life. Caveat is, is when you calm down, those receptors are damaged and you'll never be able to really reach that high again ever and your general happiness level overall is lowered. So it's a real loss to anyone who ever takes any of those things. And you can be consciously aware of this and not be able to stop as well. It's not like, a oh, really? Okay, I'll never do it again. It's much worse than that. So now you're in this elated state, active, actively under the influence of a substance. And then as that substance starts to wear off, your body metabolizes it and you go back, come back down to baseline, which is zero. Baseline means how your body naturally is. You'll then start the come down. So then the effects are wearing off. And that means that you're then feeling less elated. So you've just come up from like, especially if let's use serotonin, for example, like that's the happiness, pleasure. Uh, is it pleasure? Dopamine, more of the pleasure, happiness side. Well, anyway, you have lots of energy. You're happy. You're feeling great. You're euphoric. You're doing right. Either way, it doesn't really matter. And those start to, to come down. Then your come down state, your state as you return to baseline, is no longer, it doesn't feel as good as the, the levels up here anymore. So then what you were feeling when you were perfectly, well, you weren't perfectly fine normal, you're experimenting drugs, but your normal, <laughs> perfectly fine uh, baseline now feels like hell because you were up here, you're a million 
and now you're like now you're zero. You you you're just standard. You're not minus. You're not feeling particularly bad, but you're not a thousand. So now zero feels like minus a thousand. And that's what the come down is, is that beginning to dive in and it wearing off and coming back into a, a really depleted state. And then because, right, you hit the baseline, but then you actually do go into zero, in, into minus, sorry, because your receptors are now just been overloaded of however many hours you were taking. And if you, you know, continued to take more, which is also involved in the next question, um, they can take a real beating, real beating. The receptors are, are overworked and all of your stores of those chemicals in your brain are now way depleted. You have none. You're zero. They're actually now like it's like being dehydrated. Like you just drank so much water that you were overhydrated, which is a bad thing. And then you said, "Oh, I've got to stop drinking water." You didn't drink water for a week. Now you're super dehydrated, but you do that over a span of like a couple of hours because you like you know, depleted the, your water reserve and you've got none now. And now you've got to recover. So those receptors have got to recover. And then you feel crap as because you've got no serotonin going through your brain to even bring you back up to like a general mood. So now you're really feeling, feeling really, really down, really depressed even that um, that, that, that happens. And eventually the come down, the, the depleted state is longer and stronger than the high and it actually overweighs the high in the, in the long run. So that's what, that's what the come down is. That's the process and how it is. And you end up in that really slump state of recovery. Um, trying to re re up those uh, inhibitors and and the, the receptors in your brain. So I trust that was enough of an explanation. I did answer that whole question, didn't I? What happens when you're high and you come down? Yeah. Um, or actually, I'll explain some of the symptoms. So sometimes when you come down, you start not knowing what's going on, and you can start people who are familiar having a great time. We've start becoming complete strangers because you've got such a such a minus of happiness you're actually in anxiety now that's another thing i should say you actually end up in the opposite state so you end up in this like you're in a super happiness state up here like doing all crazy stuff and having a great time and then as you come into the minus you end up in a depressed and anxious and paranoid state like that can happen it's not always but it can happen and you can end up interpreting things the wrong way and you get really bad emotions um yeah so that's, that, that should that should sum it up i think actually um that's what happens and that's why you can have someone be so aggressive and and standoffish or people can be really skittish and frazzled and their brain doesn't work because they can't really think properly because it's just trying to recover from like this abuse. It's like if you break your arm and then try and use your arm. Of course not. You're not going to be able to use it. It's still recovering from being broken. Okay, that's enough about that. Um, do you think... Um, What's this? All oh, right, right. Do you think while you're on the while you're high, I want more or I need more during the same session? And is that a thing uh, sometimes, or that it, that it doesn't take you as high as you want or high enough? Uh, absolutely, that's a thing. So you can gain tolerance. You build tolerance up. So as you take substance, as you as you as you take more and more and more on a regular basis, just like smoking or alcohol or uh, sour lollies you build a tolerance you know you get used to the sourness so you can take two now and now that's sour and eventually you get used to the two being sour you take three and you before you know you get a whole mouthful of you know warheads and you know you and you're fine you just small tear <laughs> running down you build a tolerance just like you build a tolerance to the things in life you build a tolerance to um you know challenges and you build a tolerance to 
the fears and the uncertainty in your world, just like you build a tolerance to substance and things you, you, you consume. Great example. You start working out, you put your muscle under tension, you spend time under tension, it rips and tears the muscle, and then inflammation occurs and it rebuilds the fibers stronger and better for next time, and it adapts, and your body adapts. So same with drugs. You take them, your body adapts. So you then build a tolerance, you build more and more and more, and eventually taking one tablet or one line or one joint or you know, 0.1 of a gram of some of the harder stuff isn't going to cut it anymore. So you have to take more. And then sometimes you're going to take some, and in the session, you know, in the in the high, you're like, I'm not as high as I want to be right now. So you take more, and that's how you end up with overdoses because people take more because they want more, and they want more, and they want more, and people are bloody greedy, and they should be happy with what they've got, and <laughs> uh, and they and they uh, they overdose because they end up taking too much. I don't know what their tolerance is, and the more you take, the better you feel, the more invincible you feel, and the more you and, and, and you can die. So absolutely, you can take more because you build a tolerance to the things and. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how that works. Like pretty straightforward stuff. So absolutely you can, you can want more and, and need to take more because you're not at that level that you're looking for. And now this one was, uh, she was asking, um, on, in regards to other parents. And this one is that I've heard other parents say that they don't know what they did wrong and that, uh, this person's thoughts are that it's either, uh, as experimental or as, as above where, you know, the things I've answered. So it's a bit difficult. It's a bit of a difference. It's a sensitive one because um, as a parent, you do your best. You do your best. I don't know. I'm not a parent. But I know from talking to many, 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 many parents and my own parents and friends and people in the world, stories and books and everything, <laughs> You do your best, or you, tr- or at least you give the person the benefit of the doubt that they are trying their best as a parent. And any parent that's concerned, I assume, is doing their best. Sometimes it's because it makes them look bad as a parent because they're narcissistic and they're a bad person. So let's exclude those people from this conversation. And that generally, you've got a tool belt skills as a parent that you've been passed down from your parents and their parents above that and their parents above that. And then you're passing that down to your children. Now, it's very unbelievable if you have a full toolkit because your parents didn't have a full toolkit. Theirs didn't, theirs didn't, theirs didn't. So it's very likely that you've passed down only a handful of tools to your children. And that is not your fault. That is not your fault. You do not blame yourself because of their addiction. If, you know, there was, if you physically abused your child or sexually abused your child as a, as a, as a parent, fucking way to go, that's really wrong and that's really bad. And sure, there's degrees of severity of that and, but if it was a regular thing and there was regular abuse happening throughout the childhood or even to the level of sexual abuse, then there's going to be trauma in that child. There's going to be trauma. There's going to be maybe even complex trauma. And those things, sure, there's some responsibility to be taken for the person that dealt the violence and or the abuse to the child. But they grow up and then it's their responsibility to deal with that. And unfortunately, drugs is a really good outlet to get rid of or to to take your focus off trauma and the expectations of a child. And it doesn't have to be that extreme either. I just went to the extreme there. Should have probably started a bit more mild. But that can also be just things like they weren't heard or their expectations of them succeeding was way too high and they couldn't live up to it. Oh, another burp. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, uh, yeah, and you can't live up to that expectation. So then 
drugs is an easy outlet. It's an easy way to get rid of it. So you can't... There's a level of responsibility you need to take as a parent that you did your best. If you know you did your best and none of that stuff was present and you tried and you tried to hear your child when they were upset and you gave them everything you could and give them opportunities and you nurtured them and, you, and, they're, and they're doing quite well as a successful adult. They just have a drug addiction problem because sometimes that's just what's happening is that they, they just have a problem. They survived. They survived, right? So you can't, you can't necessarily blame yourself so much. You can absolutely, though, be there when they need help and you can offer them assistance. Sometimes you can point it out and say, this is, this is happening and I'm concerned. And then you know that I'll be here when you need help. And sometimes when they get to be too fast, sometimes they have to go to rehabilitation and, and go through that. And you need to be there the whole time by their side while they go through. But sometimes you did nothing wrong. Sometimes you were just a parent. And as again, I said, I kind of like blurred the lines a little there when that through that bit. Could have feedback from me, that could have been clearer. If you were a crappy parent, own that shit and own that you were a crappy parent and you need to make some freaking amends. And sometimes you can't, and that really sucks as well. But if you were like a standard parent, normal, average Joe, or Joan, or neither, <laughs> for that matter, um, and you did your best, and you gave them all the tools you could, and you provided them with the best safety and secure home, food on the table, and you tried your best, and they ended up with addiction, sometimes it's not even your fault. Sometimes it was the media. Sometimes it was their school friends, the abuse they received through their, their teachers and peers. Um, or that they just couldn't meet the expectations that they held for themselves. Might have been their own their own downfall. There's a lot of reasons. There's like infinite amount of reasons. There's an infinite amount of things to not blame yourself for. So don't feel like it's your fault that you could that you did something to break them, that you did something to, to harm them. But sometimes that is the case. And that is a hard reality to face. And it's just like any other reality that we have to face with ourselves. Sometimes we created our own problem ourselves, and it's exactly the same. It just happens to be that it's, you know, your child. So for parents, I would say spend less time thinking about what went wrong and start thinking about how you can help and how you can be there. So for someone that's going through addictions, that can be really, it can be so tough. It can be so tough for them. And you being there when they need you, is the most important thing you can be. It can be, can do, can be and do. <laughs> is be the person that's there and show up when it's needed and drop everything when it does come along. Because when they need that help and they're willing to say, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and can't like, and they're just reaching out with the smallest little thing to say, help me, show up or they're going to regress back into it. They're going to go back into it because they're like, yeah, they, they don't love me or, or whatever bullshit there's in their head that they're justifying with their drug abuse which is very true for them. And if you're someone that's going through it, reach out for help, man. Just do it. It'll be the best thing you ever did. Go through some rehabilitation. Do the 12 steps or do some like trauma recovery. Anything. Go just do something and, and fix that because it's quality of life we're talking about here. It's three burps in one podcast. We're doing well. We're doing well today. And that's my advice for a parent is that show up and be there and Fully be there. Don't judge them for their behavior. It doesn't matter. What happened in the past is in the past. Their their addiction is real and it's right now and you, they don't need any more judgment from you about it. They don't need you to come along and say, look, this is really bad for you because they know. They know. Everybody knows drugs are bad for you unless you're an idiot. Unless you are so in denial about your own addiction, unless you're talking about medical 
medical purposes, let's just put that in another category again. Talking about recreational stuff here. Everyone knows it's bad. Everyone knows smoking is bad for you. Everyone knows drinking is bad for you. They do it anyway. So be there when they say when they turn up and say, I need help. That's that's literally the key. That's it. That's all you, that's all you can do. What happens if they don't want help and you're trying, you're showing up? Then you wait. Then you wait. That's it. They don't need your help right now. They don't need your judgment either. They don't need your judgment, your shame, your toxic shit, you trying to force them into doing things, guilting them, uh, like trying to force into that space to try and help them. When they're ready, they will, they will, they will be ready. And sometimes they won't. And that's really hard. And I, that is really hard. And I, I, I know people who have gone through addiction, family members and things that have gone through it, close friends, people I know from from like my primary year, primary school, like, like my first, I don't know what this called, so what's it called, elementary in America, if you're watching this in America, like it's like five, six, seven years old. And now we're like nearly 30 and they're still in addiction from when we were in teenage years. And it, it, it kills me. It kills me. And I'll be there when they decide that they need help. And every time they decide, I will be there. Every time they think, okay, I'm going to try and quit again, I am their number one supporter. I will never, ever, ever back down from somebody that says, I need help and they've got addiction. I'm there. Yes, you can do it. Let's set you up with some tasks and some, some short goals, some tools so that you can overcome this and, and become the next person, part of you. And if they, if they fail, then so be it. it they, they tried and trying is good. And that's it. That's what, that's your, that is your role. Um, I've been talking about this for a bit now, but that's that's the truth. How long are for? Oh, so many longer ones. So don't force yourself in, and and it really sucks if they don't want help and 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 they never get there. Just know that it's not your fault. That that's now their battle. That's their battle, and it's not your responsibility. If they if they're in, well, if they're like twelve or fourteen, then it's a little bit your responsibility to keep looking after them. But if they're an adult, if they're in like sixteen plus, fifteen plus sort of thing. They, you know, they're now in a position where they're making their own choices and help them as much as you can, but it is their responsibility to realize that they're in trouble and then they need, that they need to stop and do it on their own. They need to make that decision. You can't force it upon them, and the more you force it, the more you're likely to push them into drugs. So back off, back off, um, and give them the space and just let them know you're there you know, if, if, especially if they talk to you about it and say, like, you know, I'm, I'm here or you have a, a thing, you just say, look, I'm here when you need me. Whenever you need me, you can call me, message me, and I'll be there. I'll, I will come around, we'll talk about it, we'll do whatever we need to do, and I'm not going to pressure you into anything. It's all going to be your choice, and you just let me know. That's, that's the most functional and supportive thing you can do, and then when they ask, you show up. I think I just said that about a million times, but goddamn, it's important. And that's it, that's all you can do. So as a parent... Let your child be be that and let them go for one and then be there when they need help. And that's it. Don't be the best friend. Don't be the friend. Don't be the fucking anything else. Their partner. Don't be the surrogate freaking partner. Don't make them your surrogate partner. Half of that reason is why they're in drugs. And then they go for it because, again, it is an underlining thing and it takes a lot of recovery to come over it and, and work through that. So anyways, I think that's... That's all the questions I had there. Um, I haven't really got anything to add in there uh, that isn't another hour of conversation that goes really deep into trauma and and how it's formed and and, and what that means and uh, it's a whole thing. I'll probably do it in other, other episodes. 
But if there's someone that uh, is a parent that you know has somebody around them that is in drugs or has a relative or there is a relative that you know is there, you let them know you're there. That's one thing you can do or send them this video or you know, send the parents that are concerned this video. That's probably one of the things you can do is, is that from someone who now does not struggle with any sort of abuse except addicted to learning um, and growth. Um, who's been through those those trials and really done some stupid stuff. And fun story, I jumped into a bush one time because I thought there was a police car coming past and it wasn't a police car, it was a normal car. It was no, and I thought I saw red and blue flashing lights and it wasn't. So I jumped into someone's front garden into the bush to hide like a ning-nong. There you go. So that's some of the level that I was at there. I, I remember I couldn't, I couldn't uh, eat food and I couldn't, smell i couldn't taste uh, i was vomiting i was yeah i was basically dead so coming from me to you send this to somebody that that could really need it that could to, to, you know send this to them to show and, and say that i watched this and i just wanted to know that you that I'm, I'm here when you need me if you if you need me and that's it and that is one of the biggest gestures you can do. Share it with, with another parent. Share it with someone who knows someone who's going through some stuff to let them know that this is a resource for support and to give them a greater understanding on what's going on because drugs are not the problem. Drugs are the symptom. And I'm sure drugs are the problem. They're, they're, they're dangerous. But they're not the problem. What's underneath is the problem. And uh, you don't have to even be an addict to be an addict. You don't have to be an alcoholic to be an alcoholic. You don't have to abuse heroin and, 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 me and methamphetamine or, or MDMA or ketamine or cocaine or any of them to be any sort of addict because addict is a mindset. It's not actually the abuse of the thing. You don't have to be gambling away your entire life savings and, and worse and get yourself into thousands and thousands of debt and be stealing and all those things to be an addict. You don't need to be doing any of that to be an addict. Sometimes you just are... You're just hurt. Sometimes there's that. Sometimes there's things in here and you need to deal with those. So reach out for support if that's you. There's plenty of places you can go and you can reach out. There's plenty of hotlines. I'll include it in probably in the in the uh, doobly-doo down there. If anyone gets that reference, that'll be good. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's plenty of people that can help you out and there's plenty of things you can read and, and materials you can go through to help you get through that. And there's plenty of materials for someone that is supporting someone going through it as well. So um, I know there is a book about addiction. Um, it's like a two-sided, I cannot remember it. I don't know if I'll be able to link it in. I can't remember the title. But one side was for the person going through it and the other side was the person supporting. Might have actually been mental health. But yeah, anyway. Share, like, subscribe, comment. Let me know if any of this rang true with you. Let me know your experiences, how you recovered, uh, if you're recovering, how you help somebody, how you're showing up, any of those things. Let me know. Give me some feedback. If you have a set of questions on a topic like this that you want more clarity on because you don't understand and you think I might be able to help out, let me know. Let me know. Put it in there. Message me, whatever it is. But do something. Don't do nothing. Do something. Like, share, subscribe, follow comment all of them all one you know please <laughs> it would be greatly appreciated um this has been the jesse dawson podcast i'm going to leave that with you and uh yeah i trust this has been this has been helpful i i, I think it has myself so we'll see you next time